Welcome back, ball jugglers. Ha! There's the love. You know I'm in a really good mood. I don't call it snork. I snork. Snork? Snorking. What's a snorking? I don't know, because I say that about Lincoln. He snorks when well, he yeah, breathes. Well, yeah, the dogs do. Yeah, I feel like we do too, Steph. We, you and I snork all the time. <laughs> it's true, we do. Wow. I'm Stephanie Dinsmore. And I'm Jody Lockie Doosling. We're two therapists with 33 years of collective experience in the mental health field. Tune in as we get comfortable to talk about things like self-improvement, growth, relationships, traumatic experiences, and more. Together, we'll discuss neuroscience, attachment, and trauma, and look at holistic and alternative approaches beyond the counseling space. Let's just talk about it. Where did that just get pulled from? I have no idea. (laughs) Amen. Avery's gonna find this on there. That I know she wrote the number down. I saw her do it. Does she write snork? Stop. I love it. Okay, Jody. Today we're gonna talk about holistic and creative healing. This is absolutely one of my very favorite topics, and I know it is one of yours. So we are going to break this topic down into another mini series, and you're going to learn a little bit more about creative healing, somatic experiencing, and the mind body soul connection. Oh, my favorite. I know. I'm so excited. Where do we even begin? Most people think that if you're doing creative healing, they think of art or drama or Which music. It can be. Yes. Yeah. But then they're like, I'm not an artist. Mm-hmm. But we don't want you to be an artist. No. And the one thing that I love about creative healing when I'm working with clients is just be one mindful and put your whole mm-hmm. self into the experience of whatever creative healing exercise we're doing together. So sometimes I put music on, like I said last time, where people can dance and be silly. And if that's helpful, we can do that. Um, goat yoga can be a thing. Love goat yoga. Yeah. Sound- it ate my hair, though. You know that those goats eat hair, right? No, I haven't done it. Oh, no. Nora and I did it. And the goat was, I was like, this is so cute it's eating my hair and then the lady was like you have to stop that they will actually grab your hair and rip it out and i'm on video like you're so cute little goat and and then your hair is like ripped off of your head no it didn't happen thank goodness but just let you know so goat goat yoga yoga is still on my list of things to do um because i do think it is and can be a a creative healing component um but yeah so what are some creative healing components you use and incorporate in your work with clients yeah, I, I mean, there's so many. I love plant therapy and nature therapy. Uh, I love art, music, intuitive dance, which is super fun to watch yeah. and kind of silly to do, but very fun. Spiritual work can also be that, release exercises. But technically, you know, so to talk about art, let's talk about art. So why we actually care about art and creative healing instead of just verbal therapy is that verbal therapy is very limiting. Mm-hmm. We only have a certain amount of words, especially English, where lots of words can mean lots of different things. So I could say I'm stressed. You could say you're stressed. One of us has an assignment to do, which is still valid and relevant. And the other one just lost a parent. And yet we use the same word. That's interesting. I've actually not thought too much about that, but that is where we can incorporate creative healing to access those points in our body from that somatic space to process and work through what stress means to that person. Well, and really it's because it's subconscious or even unconscious. Mm -hmm. We haven't even tapped into half of the things that make us behave the way we do every day. I know that for me. (laughs) 
And so a lot of people also think creative healing is for children, Mm. which is not true. I actually love it for all ages. I use it for all ages. All ages, Mm -hmm. yes. And it's almost like step two. Like step one is release, right? Like as in like verbal release or some sort of expression. It could be through art that you're expressing things. And then the second part is that you're actually processing that. So you're completing that trauma cycle, Mm -hmm. which is what humans are really not good at. Yes, that's so true. And that's why we often are stuck that's why so many people come to us and they're like, why do we feel so stuck? And I'm like, well, first of all, I understand you because I as well feel stuck often. But it's our psyche that's stuck in time. There's pieces stuck in our body. Pieces we don't understand. No. Or that we've not even realized their associations to yes, trauma. So true. So I love creative healing because it allows for those touch points to be accessed that otherwise honestly would not have been. Mm-hmm. And I know this is going to be a completely separate mini series that we're going to dive into, but can we just touch on how we work from that bottom up approach versus a lot of providers doing that top down approach and how creative healing is incorporated in the bottom up approach? Yeah, good point, Steph. So top down, if you don't know what that means, because it's more of a newer idea, is those cognitive pieces. So the focus on cognitions and the idea or the basis around it is change your thoughts, change your world. But like if it was that easy, would we not just all do that? Mm-hmm. And so the bottom up looks at those that psychosomatic lens. So what that means is psycho, so, so the cognitions piece, and then somatic, the body piece. Right. So the whole person as being impacted by something, not just, you know, a piece of it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I get so frustrated. We, we get referrals. It's like my doctor, my psychiatrist, they want me to do CBT. And I'm always like, but why? Yeah. And why? Like, why? What makes them even know that? I know. I'm just like, CBT, really? For what you're coming to me with, I would actually recommend I'm providing maybe two or three more bottom up approach therapeutic modalities that we can access some some more deeper things and and hopefully help them heal and recover. Yeah. So I'm actually doing my dissertation on creative healing for trauma. So as you know, it's one of my most passionate things. And it's so passionate because, and I'll share a little uh, personal story that might help kind of understand this. So when we've experienced any trauma, it gets stored and it gets stored and associated in really weird places, odd places. And often we don't have memory of those things. Um, Our mind and body disconnect when we experience trauma, right? And so that's why a lot of us after are very disembodied. Mm -hmm. So we don't make sense of certain memories or thoughts or those sorts of things. And the cool thing about creative healing is that it's accessing some of those pieces that we don't realize are even there. Right. And I find that so interesting. And, and you know, really art therapy in the last uh, really decade has has grown and we start to see actual, you know, vigorous research on it now, which was not something we saw before that. Um, and, you know, it always makes me think, why is Top Down so popular? Well, it's resource easy. It's True. very easy to resource that. It's really hard to resource, you know, art therapy being done correctly in regard to trauma. Yeah. One of the neat things that I just learned for virtual appointments is... Is this, that there is sand tray therapy online that you can do with your client now. And again, that's another creative healing technique that you can do. And often people think, oh, well, sand tray therapy is for children. Well, no, actually, it's for adults too. And so I think it's so neat that we can now do that virtually by sharing a screen with the client and accessing um, a website. And it's just more accessible for everybody. 
Well, and I think back to the days of remember when you were in school and your teacher was like, you can't doodle in class or you can't have sensory toys or you can't have any of these things. Mm -hmm. Right. And like some teachers restrict that. Yeah. I look back and I'm like, but that's relaxed alertness. That is actually a real thing. What Mm -hmm. it means is that the extra energy in your body is getting worked out Mm -hmm. so that you can actually concentrate. Mm -hmm. So if I can't squirm, if I can't fidget, if I can't tap, if I can't do any of these things, I'm actually having a really hard time concentrating then. Well, and we know that so much for ADHD, not that we love diagnoses, but that does really fit with that type of profile. And I'm that person for sure, undiagnosed for for my whole life. But I mean, anyone who knows me knows I have ADHD. We both do. We both do. (laughs) (laughs) But no, and it's true. And everyone has always asked me, well, how can you do multiple things at the same time? And I'm like, that's actually how I think and concentrate. And that's how I get things done. And I guess how I'm so accomplished today. Well, such a neurotypical statement, though, too, right? Mm-hmm. That you must not, it means you must have a deficiency yeah. if you have that, when no, really it true. means a, a beautiful, glorious, spectacular brain. Yeah, it's true. And one of the things that we do at the practice is we have boxes of all of these different toys and doodling items and things that clients can use in their therapy session. And we actually celebrate that as a positive. You can doodle, you can play with a toy while we have a conversation and or while you do your creative healing exercise. And clients really appreciate that. They're like, wow, you get me. Yeah, like normalizing that and validating that that's actually a very normal experience. So I actually had experienced uh, some trauma. As you know, when when Nora was little, she had actually had a, a seizure and we had thought we lost her. So to do trauma work after that for me, I thought, well, I just need to release it. I just need to talk about it. And as you can tell, I can talk about it as if it's nothing. But yet it was the hardest day of my life and probably will remain to be the hardest day of my life. I remember that phone call. Yeah. Yeah. But yet I can talk about it as if there's no emotion in it. And so it got me thinking, okay, so I've externalized it. I verbalize it. I talk to people about it. Why don't I feel healed? Why do I still have so many somatic experiences? So why when she gets sick or she's hot, am I immediately worried that's about to about to happen? Why do I have certain associations or certain stressors around it? Right. Mm -hmm. And so the second part of my experience with trauma was that I had to release it in a creative way, Mm -hmm. whether it was art, whether it was drama, whether it was music, whatever works for you, Mm -hmm. that that was that second step for me, that the first step was, you know, talking about it. But as we know, talking doesn't actually elicit healing. For some people, it does. And for some people, it doesn't. And so knowing the difference between when do we bring in creative tools when externalization and verbalization are not doing it. And I find it so interesting, clients that have come to us who have said, hey, I've been in therapy for 20, 30 years and nothing has helped. And they maybe have a session or two with you. And I hear this from your clients a lot, Jody, that they're like, wow, I'm actually progressing. I'm making some positive shifts. And we're incorporating things like creative healing and somatic experiencing and other things that we're going to talk about that they're making shifts and recovering. Yeah, I love that stuff. And I think you're almost reparenting yourself, right? Like that idea of that inner child needs to be seen, needs to be heard. And creative expression is a beautiful way to do that. Mm -hmm. So as I'm doing inner child work, I often pair it with some sort of creative healing method. And then that way, it's stimulating both parts of the brain. Mm -hmm. They're getting release. And, you know, that's kind of happening in a way that they're honoring that child that didn't maybe get to have that creative play or expression. So art therapy is not just for children by the way it is for everybody Everybody. yeah love it (laughs) 
So Jody, I know you didn't mention this at the beginning today when we talked about just examples of creative healing, but I really wanted to bring up um, your boxing glass. Can you tell us how that's an example of creative healing? Oh, I love that glass. So boxing through emotions is what it was called. Yes. And it was actually geared for adolescents and, and young teens mm-hmm. in regard to processing really difficult emotions uh, through boxing. And and not that we're teaching aggression or increasing testosterone. Like, that's not the idea. It's actually controlled active boxing. Mm. So as a client or the student or whomever you're doing it with, I've done it in a lot of different settings or a child or youth, is working through something. So they could be talking to me about bullying at school mm. or their parents fighting or these really big things that these kids carry around with us that we don't realize they carry. And, and then I will pair that with, okay, now let's do a one-two combo. So if you don't know, I, I did competitive boxing in my day. Not now, but I did competitive <laughs> boxing in my day. And I noticed that it was such a nice release activity, like the ability to actually release while pairing with things like affirmations or little things that we can say to ourselves. So I would say to someone, I want you to say, I am safe now and then punch. Or I want you to say, you know, I release this from me because I don't need to carry it anymore. Mm -hmm. And the ability to actually visualize and actually do the motion of letting go of something while pairing that with the movement, you're doing bilateral stimulation. I was just thinking the bilateral stimulation. (laughs) Yeah, like we know in EMDR, that bilateral stimulation. So yeah, no, again, that's such a great example, the boxing for emotions, how we can do the processing and the release from that holistic creative healing perspective. And what about drama therapy? If someone was really into art, where might they access something like drama therapy? What types of things would they do? I just think our listeners want to know a little bit more. Yeah, drama therapy is pretty cool because I don't know about you, but when I first heard of drama therapy, I thought, oh, I hated grade 10 drama class. I was so terrified. I know. That's what I think. Again, because I was masking. Let's be real. Let's go back to that. Um, about being like that imperfect self felt really scary to it me. You're being terrifying. silly. You're being those like. And you. being graded for it. And then being graded for yeah, it. Yeah. Can you believe this? I can't. So (laughs) in drama therapy, really what we look at is there's a range of techniques we can do. Uh, Some reparenting stuff I do through drama therapy. So as if you are parenting yourself, like talking to your inner child, Mm -hmm. so acting that out. For some people, they actually do, uh, like, they create role plays or create scenarios to help process that that trauma or grief. So this works really well in grief therapy. Mm -hmm. So what if you no longer have that person there with you to be able to express things that you wanted to say to them? You actually have the ability to use that idea of having that empty chair and that person sitting in it. And you're able to say all the things you weren't able to say. Or, you know, creating a play where you're acting out the things you wanted to say. We are really good at doing it with a mask on rather than sitting with our vulnerability. Oh, because it's scary. Yeah. Other things that you can do are things like puppetry. That one's we see that a lot with kids, but it's kind of funny. Improv work and then other theater games. But you, what you're doing is you're pairing therapeutic techniques with the ability to release in a way that is not your typical verbal therapy. But this actually allows you to tap into the subconscious and unconscious and stuff will come out that you didn't even realize. Well, I'm just even thinking about people I've worked with who are like, well, what about can I rap? Can I write my rap songs and rap them? I said, yes, please record them and we will listen to them together in therapy. And we can talk about some of the meanings that are coming up from the words that you're saying and improv and different things like that stand-up comedy there's so many different ways um, to work through and express creative healing we kind of see it in tiktok don't we 
Yeah, that's true. A lot of people expressing things that they're feeling in ways that are a bit funnier or sillier through dance or through acting. And you know what's interesting about that is I do notice when I'm on TikTok, I can really sense, and maybe this is my intuition or that energetic vibe that I feel, but people who are being their true authentic selves in their TikToks and others that are just putting on their mask to do a recording. I don't have TikTok, so I can't even answer that. That's awesome that you do. I I have have Instagram. Yeah. I'm too old for the actual TikTok. I have it on Instagram where you see the reels. So, I mean, I'm still a step behind. (laughs) Okay, but I watch all those reels on Facebook, Steph. So that makes me even more old. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, on that note, talking about our age. So, Jody, as I'm hearing you talk about boxing for emotions and all of these ways that we can externalize and be really big about um, what we're feeling, I'm actually feeling a little bit nervous. And I'm wondering what our introverted listeners might be thinking if they're coming to Mindful Path. What other types of creative healing things might we do that are more individualized? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that it's important to say just because it's creative doesn't mean it's going to be a big extroverted type socialized thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of times this can be done in therapeutic settings individually. And even with things like plant therapy, I talked a little bit about this before. So using things like essential oils, um, growing plants and actually uh, nurturing them and fostering uh, through positive positive um, frameworks or, or words to your plant can actually help nurture them and grow. Uh, So they've done experiments on this around like when you talk nice to a plant versus when you don't. And so there's things you can do individually, right? Like doodling is what I mentioned too. Mandelas are a big one. Love the mandelas. Yeah. And even if you get nothing else, even if you're not trying to process or release anything, just the the actual art making actually has healing benefits. Mm. So I think that that's important to know. It's not about what you create, what you do, how perfect it is. It's so the opposite of that. It's actually about what is uncovered through that. Mm-hmm. So one of the art exercises I do that I love is called the Who Am I exercise. And you trace your hand and you write in different roles you play, different uh, values and beliefs you have, um, all of these different things about you, things that keep you grounded, things that keep your goals that you're trying to achieve and this sort of thing. And every time I am so amazed by how much is uncovered when they, when I have clients share their experience. So they do it individually, but then they share it with me or they share it with a group. Mm-hmm. I love doing it in a group. Yeah. yeah. And what comes out is remarkable. Like what people say is just so not what we think that they would. And they say it and then they go, where did that come from? And I think so not only was art making therapeutic because you're being one mindful. So you're in the present moment and you're focused on what you're doing. Dance also does this. Or at least if you're like me and you have to try to recognize the moves and know the moves, you're paying attention to the moves, not to how imperfect it is. You know, it allows this this externalization to happen at a very organic way. And I think that that's where the healing comes from is like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And I've worked with clients who, and this is on an individual basis, where they're like, I have no idea what to write. So I'm actually helping them by saying, what might your mother say about you? What might your sister say about you? What would your friend say about you? And then just take a moment to really think. And sometimes that's helpful for them to then say, I am statement when it's coming from another person and maybe not necessarily theirs themselves. And thank you for bringing up writing because that's a creative healing method too. So things like journaling or bullet journaling or 
you know, I, I run out of time every day. So now I just voice command my journaling notes every day about mm-hmm. things that have happened or what I'm feeling that day. And I find it so helpful. And it takes me three seconds mm-hmm. to do, but it's still a form of expression. And that's the beautiful thing, too, is I, I know you do this and I do this. I always say to clients, what is the best way that you learn? Is it verbally? Is it through writing, through something tactile? How can we best support you through your creative healing journey? And I think it surprises people sometimes. They're like, oh, my therapist has never asked me that before. They usually just tell me to do this. And I know we both like to work with the client, walk alongside them and what works best for you. And so that's the nice thing about creative healing is there's so many different modalities, options, introverted, extroverted. There's there's so many different things that we can engage in then and find what's best for the unique person. Yeah. So really just expressive arts in any way, shape or form. Yeah. So Jody, I just wanted to share my favorite creative healing exercise is yoga. And what I love about yoga is the ability to move and focus on my breathing at the same time. So I kind of go for a flow. Um, and that type of exercise really allows me to be in the present moment where um, other types of yoga, if you ask me to sit still, my mind is not there. My mind is not focused on my breath. Um, it's not focused on letting go. And so doing something like a flow is what's helpful and unique to me. But what's yours? So similarly, mine is movement as well. And it is intuitive dance. And this is a newer thing for me and my daughter. I really want to see this. And Greg laughs at me every time we do it. Like he and he I mean, he's very amused by it, but it's hilarious. And really, it's that you're just moving to the sound of the music. So there's no plan. There's no purpose. It is just movement. And I started doing this with my daughter. And on the last full moon, we actually went outside to the street and we're dancing under the moon. I love it. I know. I thought it was cute. And so really, it's just about like self-regulating by movement by release because I keep a lot of stuff contained in I do too yeah I know it makes sense we both like I know we both love that Okay, Jody. So today we dove headfirst into all things creative healing. And we talked about so many different ways you could try a creative healing and what that might look like for you. What's coming up and what you have to look forward to is uh, next episode here, we're going to be talking um, a deep dive into somatic experiencing. And then our final episode of this mini series is going to be on our mind body soul connection. All of my faves. So, Jody, I have this idea where I'm going to have my really big, outrageous laugh. What if we call our listeners bald jugglers? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, so it's set. We are going to end every podcast with connecting with all of our bald jugglers, and we will see you all next time. Keep juggling all those balls. <laughs> yeah, is it okay? I love it. You got to put the laugh in there, though. That's my favorite part. <laughs>